Lord and he answered. Amen. It's what he's been doing for 18 years <laughs> for Karen and I. And many of you have been here for a number of years. Um, sought the Lord and he answered. You know, I told you when, we, when they hired us to come here, the four people. Uh, you know, they told us it was a long shot. Probably not. Actually, one of the guys kind of warned us about coming. He said, it's a long shot. He said, it probably won't work. <laughs> it's worked for 18 years. So praise God, right? Praise God. You must not only believe that he is, you must believe that he's good. And if you believe that he's good, you'll take risks. You'll take risks that obviously you would not otherwise take. So Hebrews eleven six is a bit of a testimonial for me. It's a verse that the Lord used at a pivotal time in my life to help me move on. I knew what he had said. He, he'd called me to preach, but I was still in business. And uh, I had a good job, making good money. There was no reason to leave. Um, except, what did we talk about last week? Why, why did Peter get out of the boat? Why did he get out of the boat ultimately? He wanted to, right? He wanted to get out of the boat. I wanted to get out of the boat, metaphorically speaking. I wanted to, I wanted to preach the gospel, but I was just scared. I was afraid. And uh, some of you are afraid. Some of you have something that maybe the Lord is leading you into, or you're thinking you're dreaming big dreams with God, and you're afraid. But I just want to give you a firsthand testimony. Don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he rules every wave. If you get out of the boat, uh, if you're walking on the water, he, the, wind the wind obeys him as does every wave. So I was a little bit like Peter. It was Matthew 14, 29 for me. Um, Jesus said, come. I think for the true believer, that's all you ever need to hear. Jesus says, Come, walk with me. Um, of course it's a challenge. Of course it's countercultural. Of course you will lose friends. Of course family members will become to dislike and resent you. Of course all of these things will happen. The, the Bible tells us these things will happen. <laughs> but Jesus says, I am enough. Like Peter, there were 10,000 reasons for me to stay in corporate America, there was only one good reason to leave. And that was the fact that my creator and my redeemer had called me. And I made this rationalization, right? We all have rationalizations. My rationalization was, I can, I can just be a good Christian businessman. Well, of course I could be, if that's what God called me to be. Nothing wrong with being a good Christian businessman. Unless God's called you to do something else, then there's everything wrong with that. And... Uh, you have to believe he's good, okay? That's the message tonight. Don't just simply believe in God. As R.C. Sproul says, you know, real faith means more than simply believing in God. It means believing God, right? That he can and will do every promise he's made. He can keep it. So, you got to believe he's good. If you want to obey Jesus, if you want to make Jesus great in your life, if, if you want to honor Jesus, if you want to please Jesus, you got to believe he's good. Then go out there in the world and proclaim his 
name. So the Lord took me to Hebrews eleven six. It was a life changing tutorial um, about faith. We talked about it last week. Oswald Chambers' famous words, the true believer must obey God with glad, reckless joy. And, and, and I would just hold that up to, for you. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to obey God with glad, reckless joy? Because I think this is the bottom line calculus for um, the man or woman who is truly in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You guys heard me say this a hundred times, maybe a thousand times, maybe not that many. Bad theology what? Who knows? It hurts people. You know why people are live, living uh, substandard lives? Bad theology. You know why people are engrossed in sin? It's bad theology. You know why people are, are uh, you know, discouraged, depressed, um, unhappy? It's all bad theology. And I'm not saying some of it can't be, have some medical, underlying medical reasons, but bad theology, it hurts people. It hurts people. And I've learned something else, you know, along with the fact that bad theology hurts people. As Piper says, because it leads to wrong thinking about God, which leads to wrong believing, which leads to, to, to a weakening of the moral and spiritual life. But I, I've learned something else, not just bad theology, but incomplete theology. And this is what I had with Hebrews eleven six. I had incomplete theology. I believed that God is. But God was challenging me to believe that he's good. If you only believe that he is, you might tip your hat. If you believe he's good, you'll obey him. You'll abandon all to obey him. If you really believe he's good, the God who speaks two trillion galaxies into existence, if you believe that that God who has that kind of power will be good to you, will reward you, of course you'll obey him. You'd be a fool not to obey him. Why would anybody not obey that God? Right? Why would anybody not obey Yahweh? Well, it would be the height of foolishness not to obey such a God. And I'm just giving you a little testimony here. My life was safe. It was secure. It was normal. It was manageable. But I knew what God had said. He, as I said, I don't think he didn't mumble. He didn't stutter. I knew what he had said. I knew what he would called me to do. And I had to work through this process of finding my path forward so that I might obey the Lord. You have to learn God correctly. And, and this is why we do what we do. This is why we preach out of this. This is why we teach this. This is why we have men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, young adult Bible studies. If you're not looking at God, you'll be a coward in the world. It's just true. You might be, come to church on Sunday, but you'll be a coward. Uh, if you're not looking at how awesome your God is, how mighty your God is, how good your God is, you'll never obey him when it gets hard. You'll never do it. You just will not do it. You'll fold. Um, you have to be looking at Yahweh. You have to be in awe, right? There has to be fear and trembling. There has to be, as we talked about this morning at Veritas, Psalm 211. 
Rejoice with trembling, right? This is the Christian life. Rejoice with trembling. Rejoice with trembling. We learn that that is something to embrace, not to run from. You know, you always hear that Hebrews 11 is about faithful men, but what I will say to you tonight, it's about a faithful God. Faithful men and women obeying the Lord. Yes, that's what it's about, but preeminently it's about a faithful God. This is the lesson. Uh, Karen was saying that one of the children said something about, oh, this is a lesson about Joseph. She always says, no, it's not. It's a lesson about God. It's not about Joseph. It's not about Moses. It's not about Noah. It's about Christ. Right? It's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about God. And whatever church you end up in, you know, it needs to be about God. <laughs> um, if it's not, you need to run. You need to run. Come on in, brother. Good to see you. So inadequate thinking about God leads to an inadequate life. It leads to an inadequate believing. Uh, it leads to an inadequate faith. God is saying, this is how I define faith, and this is what it looks like, right? So that's what Hebrews 11 is about. We've got to learn God correctly. My thinking about God, this was circa 2000. No, circus 97. My thinking about God was inadequate. Of course I believed Him. Of course I believed in God. Thinking people believe in God. I wasn't wholly convinced that He could be trusted. Some of you may be in that place. God may be asking you to do something new. God may be asking you to do something bigger than your resume. <laughs> All right? Don't you love it when He does that? When He blows up your resume? Don't you love that? You know, I always love that Gideon story, right? Gideon's a farmer. God says, what is God calling? God says, you're a valiant warrior, man. And Gideon says, well, no, I'm not. He says, I'm going to make you one. <laughs> right? I love that story. I don't know what God's making you into. But, but we're all in transition, right? He's got the, he's got the hands on the, on the clay, right? And he's changing us. He's, he's, he's bringing us into conformity with, with his son. So, Hebrews 11.6, arguably the most important Bible verse there is if you're serious about walking with the Lord Jesus. You know, over the years I've asked many Christians, we've had about a thousand people come through here. I've asked many Christians, what is it that pleases God? And we, we know there's a number of ways to answer that question, right? We get that. I, I, I very seldom get faith. God is, actually says it right here. What is it that pleases God? He says, without faith, it is impossible to please me. Now, obviously, we can go to church without faith. We can pray prayers without faith. We can do ordinances without faith. This doesn't please God, right? Routine, religious ceremony and routine does not please God, lest it's infused with a love and adoration for God. And is a vehicle for growing my faith in God. True worship will grow your faith in God. So you can go out there and be a disciple, right? So we can go out and do the work he has called us to do.
Without faith, it is impossible to please me. I'm not sure there's a more important sentence that I could repeat to you tonight. I'm assuming most of you are pretty familiar with Hebrews 11. So I won't belabor the point. I told him this morning, we talked a little bit about, at Veritas, we talked a little bit about Hebrews 10. What does God say right there before? Right there before he gets into the faith chapter. Um, verse 38 of 10, verse 38 of Hebrews 10. But my righteous ones, what? What do they do? What do the righteous ones do? What do they do? They go to church. Again, I'm not throwing off on church. That's not what I'm saying. You should be in church. If you love him, you'll come to church. You'll sit under the word. He says, he says, but we are not of those who shrink back. My righteous ones shall live by faith. And if they shrink back, I have no pleasure in him. Right? But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the uh, preserving of the soul. Faith is a big deal. We talked about it last week. It's so important that there are many counterfeits in, in the, what is called the modern church, many counterfeits. God says, this is what your life will look like if you truly believe. If you have saving faith, it will look like Hebrews 11. These are imperfect men and women, but they finished these are imperfect men and women, but they, they took the task that God put before them and they believed him and they were used of him in a mighty way. And they all finished. We know some of them fell, dramatically fell, but they all finished with God. That's what he's saying. This is what real faith looks like. This is what real faith looks like. This is what the Lord God is saying, we looked at it last week, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love how John Piper, famous American theologian, uh, condenses that down for us. He just kind of brings it down to the, to, to, to the bare essentials. He says, God is the substance of things hoped for. God is the evidence of things not seen, right? The true believer, his faith is in God. It's in nothing less than God. You know, it's not in, it's not, I don't have faith in my faith. I don't have, I don't have faith in my church attendance. I don't have faith in some ceremony I did. I have, I have faith in Yahweh. Yahweh's my savior. Yahweh saved me. Yahweh holds me. And Yahweh will reward me forever and give me my inheritance. Yahweh does that. My preacher can't do that. My denomination can't do that. Yahweh will do it. God is the substance of things hoped for. God is the evidence of things not seen. Man, I'd still be, hey, if it was about religion, I'd still be an accountant, you know. But it's not about religion. <laughs> it's about an awesome God who's faithful. Again, 16 named illustrations in, in, the book, in, 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 in the chapter, Hebrews 11. But God's the main character. Because none of these people live like that if Yahweh's not in the equation. You don't know who Abraham is, lest God invade his life. You don't know who Moses is, lest God invades his life. You don't know who Joseph is. You've never heard of Rahab. You don't know anything about Sarah. You've never heard their names, except they went with God. 
Beloved, this is a big deal. It gives me, okay, I'm, I'm getting them. I'm getting the goosebumps. This is a big deal. We only know their names because they believed God was good. Why would a man Abraham's age leave everything not knowing where he was going? Why would he do it? He believed God was good. <laughs> he believed God was God and God was good. That's why he did it. That's why you're supposed to live the life that God has called you to live. So Scripture is saying that we must believe in the God who is the true God, the Creator God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the biblical God, the I Am Redeemer God, Jesus Christ. You know, I, I say this to you on occasion. I just want to say it again. Don't go out in the world and talk generically about God. Now, we, we, we understand when I say God in here, we all know what I'm talking about. We're talking about Yahweh. We're talking about the biblical God. But when you go out there, you know, there are, there are millions of gods in people's heads. Don't talk about God generically when you're out in the world. If you're a Christian, you go out there and you talk about Jesus Christ. You name him. You must name him. Or they'll just think you're talking about any old God or maybe some pseudo-Christ. You name him. Because that always brings the pressure. When you start naming him, that's when the heat will come. So counterfeit, make-believe, wannabe gods are ubiquitous. The false god of apostate Judaism, the false god of Islam, the false god of Hinduism and Buddhism. I saw that Hinduism has maybe 33 million gods or some crazy number. I don't know what it was. The false god of the Jehovah's Witness, the Mormons and other isms, the false Jesus Christ of pseudo-Christianity. This text is telling us we must believe in the God who is. The God who says uncomfortable things to us. The God who challenges us to be holy. Right? Don't you love, I love it, that God says uncomfortable things to us. I love it. I love it that He's brutally frank. I told the church this morning, and I, you guys know, I, this is one of my mantras. It's like, it is a, it's deadly serious to be a human being on this planet right now. It's, it's deadly serious. This is a condemned planet. It's reserved for fire. It's under the judgment of God. You know, the, the God of this world, Satan, is, has sway under the, again, the sovereignty of God. But we see all this God-hating culture. In the world, you know, man, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to be a human being. Because you and I both have offended and provoked a holy God. And there's only one solution to that. It's not church going. And it's not prayer praying. And it's not almsgiving. What is it? Man, you got to have a great Savior. You've got to have Christ. You've got to have, as I was saying this morning, you've got to have an incarnate, crucified, bleeding out God. Or you have no hope. 
This is how big the message is. This is how big Christianity is. Right? And God has provided that Savior for all who will repent and believe. So, you know, when God talks about you must believe that He is not, He's not a concept or a notion or an idea. He's Yahweh. Okay? Big distinction we need to make here. So, real faith believes the biblical God is. Real faith believes that Jesus Christ is the creator and redeemer God. God is interested in biblical faith, faith in the true God. He, he's not only unimpressed with faith in some pseudo-Christ or some false God, he loathes it, right? It's blasphemy to Yahweh that we would, we would give allegiance to some, again, pseudo-Christ or some false God. So God is pleased with faith that believes He is. Isn't this, wouldn't this be a minimum obligation for a creature? Wouldn't this just simply be a minimum obligation for the creature to believe his creator exists? This is not a high bar, right? This is not a high bar to get over. Wouldn't this be the minimum obligation? God delights when his creatures and his people acknowledge his godness. His I amness, right? The God, the God uh, who, who, who you cannot see his face and live God. You know, the God who, who causes uh, mountains to melt. The, the God who causes nations to, to tremble. The God who causes the world to shake. That God. That God. The biblical God. You're supposed to live, and this is, this is Hebrews 11, you're supposed to live in such a way that everybody around you, your family, your friends, your colleagues, they get an aroma of that God, right? <laughs> you know, people who knew Abraham, Sarah, they, they knew they were barren. She was barren. He was past the age. There's no way they're going to have a kid. Oh, guess what? God kept his promise. Moses has got a stick in his hand. He's not going to liberate Egypt. It's a joke. Oh, guess what? It's God's God. And his God keeps every promise. Beloved, listen, what I want to say to you, man, Hebrews 11 set me free. I'm not saying God's going to use, you know, exactly the, you're going to have the exact same effect in Hebrews 11 that I have. But I'm telling you, man, when you start realizing that the God who speaks two trillion gal galaxies into existence is good and he's for you as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, who can be against you? Let them kill the body. Let them have the body, right? Let them kill it. But a hair on your head will not perish, as the Lord Jesus says. He says, they'll kill you, but not one hair on your head will perish. <laughs> I think it's what he says. I, I, listen, Hebrews 11 is just liberty, man. It's, it's liberty. You got a few minutes left. You're vapor upon the earth. I say, go live it. Go live it huge. God expects you to live, Hebrews 11. 
He wants people to read the greatness of Christ off your life. He wants, you, he wants people to read the reality of Christ off your life. He wants people to read the sufficiency of Christ off of your life. Your life is your witness. Your life is your testimony. Do your family and friends see not only that God is the most important reality in the cosmos, but that He is beautifully compelling? Yes, I will perish for this God. Yes, I will forsake riches for this God. Yes, I will put down security for this God. Whatever He calls me to do, I will do it. If He calls me to get out of the boat, I'm ready to get out of the boat. Again, I'm going back to Peter. Why did he get out of the boat? He wanted to get out of the boat. He wanted to walk with Christ. Right? <laughs> and, and, and I'll just ask you this. Do you have that inclination? Do you want more of God? In a Hebrews 11 kind of way? Do you want to walk with God whatever it looks like? It doesn't matter what it looks like, whatever it looks like. I want to walk with Jesus. I say this to you all the time, and you know it. You're smart people. Christianity can't be about ought and should. That's blasphemy. Ought and should is blasphemy. It must be desire. What is the summation of the law? We talked about it this morning. That you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the essence of, of the re relational reality between God and His people. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He is desirable. One of the sermons I did on heaven, I, I, on the podcast side, I, I called it, I, I think I named it, Raging Desire, dot, 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 and Satisfaction. This is what it is with God, right? There's a raging desire to know Him more and to walk more closely with Him and to, to get a, a deeper glimpse. And how do we do that? How do we get a deeper glimpse of God? You guys know John 14, 21. How do we get a deeper glimpse of God? By obeying God. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I'll disclose myself to you. It goes back to Hebrews 11. Why are these men and women living like this? They wanted more of God. Every time they obeyed God, they got more disclosure. And I'll just give you, as an old man, I'll give you my testimony. God shows up. Every time you obey Him, God shows up. And you, you, you see Him in a different way. You see His glory all the more. Man, I could bore you for probably a solid year telling you how many times God has showed up at the International Church of Milan. I got to tell you the story, man. It's not in my notes. But, you know, we came here on faith. There was no money. A little bit, not much. Not enough to pay us uh, a living wage. And in that first year, I probably told you this, but I love this story. It was a big question mark. Everybody was praying about it. How are we going to make it? One American man gave $60,000 the first year. One guy. Now, you can't budget that. You can't plan that. But on the far side of eternity, God planned that and God budgeted that. Obviously, the guy was very successful. 
<laughs> 60 grand. Bam. <laughs> All I'm saying is, you don't know what God's going to do. So don't put your restrictions on him. You know, the psalmist, they had a thirst and desire and a longing and a panting for God. Psalm 42, 63, 73, and 143. This is what believing God looks like. It's about heartfelt desire. You know, in Christ, one of the beautiful things about Christianity, we, we discover that all-satisfying why of our existence. Why am I here? Why, do I, why does Jim Albright exist? Because of Jesus. And how, is it, how, how does Jim find satisfaction and fulfillment and joy and delight in Jesus? There's only one road, Jesus. There's no other road. Every other road's a lie. It's only Jesus Christ. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is. I know you believe it. But the second component of faith is what? We must believe He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. That's where the test comes. That's where the test comes. Can you lose your job? Can you lose your job? Can you get fired? Because you've been asked to do something illegal? Can, can you lose your job? What if your kid turns against you because you hold to, you hold to Christ? And man, there's a lot of rebellion in that, in that young adult. And he, he's not, he's, you know, he, he doesn't dig that. He doesn't go for that. What if you lose that relationship? Can you lose that relationship? Are you willing to lose that relationship? There are, there are a thousand examples I could give. But do you have enough satisfaction in God to lose whatever it may be in your life? Because of your allegiance and love to Him. The second component. Real faith not only believes that God is, real faith believes that God is a rewarder. The way I like to say it is, real faith believes that God is and that God is good. I believe that first part, man. I had that down. I wasn't so strong on the second part. And again, that's why I was debating with God instead of obeying God at this stage of my life. Hebrews 11 is, a, is an example of men and women who live in such a way that their lives declare that God is good, that God is a rewarder. I'll just say it again. If you believe that God is good, It will change every day. If you don't, as opposed to if you don't believe he's good. If you believe he's good, it changes everything. As opposed to if you don't believe he's good. If you're not quite sure. Well, I know the Bible says he's good, but I don't know what that means to me. 
Well, it means whatever he calls you to do, do it with glad, reckless joy. That's what it means. That's what it means. It's simple. Christianity is always simple. It's always simple. It's, it's just so fundamentally simple, right? I'm God. I redeemed you. Follow me. Basta, right? What else is there? At the end of the day, what else is there? You were a rebel. I've saved you through the sacrifice of my son. Follow me. It's not complicated. It is not complicated. You know that great text, Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Obviously, a penetrating question for us to consider. And I just want to say to you that um, many folks who claim to be Christians, but they're just not convinced that God is good. They're, they're convinced that maybe, maybe He'll provide a little uh, fire insurance in case hell is real. Um, but they really don't see that He is more gain than some other thing they are presently enamored with. Whether it's a relationship or, or you know, whatever. Job, career, status, family, acclaim, fame, whatever, whatever, whatever the shiny object is. They think there's more pleasure. You know, it's the $3 worth of God thing. I, I like to come on Sunday and get my $3 worth of God, but don't blow up my life. Listen, you should pray that prayer. God, blow it up. You're a vapor. You got a few minutes. Blow it up. You can have it all. You want maximum pleasure and joy in this life? Give yourself away. Just give yourself away. Abraham, Sarah, Noah, Joseph, David, Gideon, Rahab. That's what they did. <laughs> It's what they did. I want you to see how important this second component of faith really is. The true believer not only believes that God is, he believes he will reward our socks off. You know, we talked about those parable of the Soas and Minas uh, some months ago. God is a rewarder. God is simply illustrating for us in Hebrews 11 that this is what faith does. It lives like God is and like God is good. And it believes that Jesus Christ is better than anything this life can take and it believes that Jesus Christ is better than anything death can take. Right? Jesus is first. Everything else is way down here. Jesus is first. It's what real faith believes and consequently lives. This is the testimony of Hebrews 11. I always love what Charles Spurgeon said, famous 19th century preacher. The true believer spoiled for this world. You cannot, for the true believer, 
you cannot get his eye off of God. Now, obviously, we are sinful. We still deal with issues. We can come, become distracted, but not for long. Not for long, right? We love him. We love him. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Jesus. He knows we love him. We love him. He's first. He's always first. The world holds no allure for me. I'm going to give you a couple of verses. <clears throat> this is what the true believer understands about the rewarding nature of God. Genesis 15:1. I am your reward, he told Abraham. I am your reward. I'm not only going to bless you with, you know, um, ancestors that outnumber the, the sand on the beach. I'm your reward, Abraham. Uh, Luke 12, 32. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Is he a good God? Is he a rewarding God? Yeah. Romans 8, 32. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also freely give us all things? Do you see how fundamental it is for you to believe that God is a rewarding God? He says he is over and over and over. I could give you many more verses. Do you believe it? Will you live it? That's always the question. Will you live it? I'm going to say it again. If you believe this about him, your life will look radically different than if you don't believe this about him. It will be night and day. So we see that it's not only about God being God, it's about His character. Do you believe He's a promise keeper or not? You know, professed Christians who simply will not obey God, basically what they're saying is, you know, when the, the Jews wouldn't go into the promised land because of the giants, they wouldn't go in. Basically what they're saying is, I don't think He can keep His promise. I don't think He's a competent God. I don't think he is. You say, well, Jim, I would never say that. But your deeds may be saying that. The way you live your life may be saying that. I can't go with God. There's too many issues, too many questions, too many risks. Not if you believe he's good. Some of you will be killed, but not a hair on your head will perish. I love that. I hope I'm saying that correctly. It's been a while since I was on that text. Real faith believes that God is and that God is good. So let me ask you, do you have real born again saving biblical faith? Do you have Hebrews 11 faith? And I want you to spend, we're going to spend the next four Sundays on this, right? We're just going to make our way through the text. Do you have this? Is this you? Does this look like you and God? This is the ultimate question, right? Is, is this how you relate to God? That's the ultimate question. Do you believe He's re a rewarder? Do you live like you believe He's a rewarder? Does your life reflect the fact that God is and God is good? Can everybody see that in your life? Do your colleagues want to ask you what's up? <laughs> what's up? Your kids should ask you what's up? <clears throat> Is the Christian faith you say you have Hebrews 11? 
kind of faith? Is it the kind of faith that shouts that my God is and my God is good? I love this. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, God is saying, my people are meant to display not only the fact that I am but that I am good. Not only that I am, not, not only display my being, but my beneficence. Not only display my existence, but my excellence, right? I love this. We have the chance to be shining beacons of the character of God. So yeah, I knew, what, I knew God had called me out of my little boat. And I was afraid. But he took me to Hebrews eleven six. And everything changed for me. Some of you may be in a box that you need to get out of. And of course, there's going to be uncertainty in getting out of the boat. But God is God and He's a rewarder. It's going to be uncomfortable getting out of the boat, but God is God and He's a rewarder. There are, of course, unknowable and unforeseeable complications in getting out of the boat, but God is God and God is a rewarder. It's going to be risky. The wind and the waves are real and ever-present, but God is God and God is a rewarder. So, I don't know where you are with the Lord, but if the Lord is, is calling you to a new thing, if the Lord is breaking down barriers in your life, I say, have fun with it, man. Let's pray it through together, right? Let's go on with God. You're going to be dead real soon. You say, Jim, you say that a lot. I know. I'm, I'm getting older. I'm so thankful. I was telling a brother this week, I'm so thankful, man. I got 14 years left. I can see the end. I'm fired up. I can see the end, right? I can see it. I see the finish line. I love it. I don't have to put up with this junk much longer. This world that hates my God. I hate this. I can see the finish line, and I am so jacked up about it. So, the challenge is, will you live like your God is good? And again, Genesis 15.1. God told Abraham, do not be afraid. I am your shield. You're going to believe like I'm, you're going to live like I'm good? I am your shield. If you're going to live like I'm good, I'm your shield. And I'm your reward. I mean, this is great news. This is huge. This is huge for us. Hebrews eleven six. I do love it so.